All right. We're taking all the best old school wisdom and blending it with the top new school methods to bring you the optimal coaching strategies. This is the 8020 Baseball Podcast with Coach Bo. Welcome to this week's episode. Coach Bo here with you. So get some of those rainy days, right? You get some rainy days, some wet field conditions. There's a couple things we can do as coaches to better prepare our players for those games. Now, before we get into those tips, I got a quote from the great John Wooden. Coach John Wooden, as most of you know, the longtime UCLA basketball coach, considered by most in sports sports, definitely in the coaching community, as one of the greatest coaches of all time, not just for his win-loss record. Interestingly enough, I don't think he won a national championship for like 15 years or 16 years. He went like a decade and a half, longer than most of you are probably even going to coach without winning a national title, without winning a championship. And then he ended up winning pretty much one every year. And we think of him as never not winning a national title or having an 88-game win streak and never losing. But in fact, he went a long time without a championship. His mindset, was gold. And this quote from him, it can lead us in a great direction on the right path to being the coach that really is a player's coach. Being a player's coach is a coach that gets the players to do what you need them to do, to play at a level that you'd like them to play at, to get the most out of them, but without them resenting you. Here's the quote from the late, great John Wooden. Quote, a coach is someone who can give correction without resentment. That's it. So short, but so powerful. A coach is someone who can give correction without resentment. This is huge. Let's break this down. Let's unpack this just a little bit here. I don't want to dive too deep into it, but there's definitely some strategies that work. The thing about quotes is they don't give you the strategies, but without the quote, you don't have the mindset. So you need to have the paradigm and the mindset, then some strategies that can work across different platforms with different players in different settings. One, you want the player to get your message without you resenting them. And I learned this working inner city for years. You have to be careful to save face. What do I mean by that? You have to remember as a coach, you always have to remember that or err on the side of that being most players don't want to get blasted out in front of their teammates. They don't want to be put on blast, I should say. They don't want to be called out, at least not in a way that's disparaging or could be construed as an attack or whatnot. Now, before I move forward, I know some of you are like, Coach Bo, we're softening them up. I get it. Like I saw an interview the other day that had a coach, a college basketball coach talking about being able to toughen kids up without getting in trouble by a bunch of soft admin and, you know, AD is a college coach. The fine line he's walking is trying to get his players as tough as possible while also not getting hammered by soft administration. And Probably one of the better statements I've heard in a while. I do agree with getting them tougher. I don't think blasting them, putting them on blast is necessarily going to get them tougher as much as we think it is. I'm not against it. I'm not against correcting players in front of the rest of the team, but there's a couple things you got to do before you do that if you want to have any success. And that is you got to give a bunch of deposits. You got to make a bunch of deposits. What are deposits? Praise, transparency, authenticity. You have to build rapport. You have to show you care about those players as individuals, each one of them, before you put them on blast. You also have to publicly in front of everybody, give them genuine praise if they do something well and don't hold back. Give them genuine praise with some energy. Make it known that you care and that you're helping and you praise
praise them for doing well and make it known that you care about them. And then when you got to drop the hammer, that's when you do it. A couple times when I worked inner city as a teacher, I could drop the hammer on some kids that were pretty tough. You're talking about 17, 18 year olds, a lot of gang members, a lot of them involved in, in gangs. And everything was about how they look. Everything was about perception. Everything was about looking tough, that reflection, what reflected off of them. That really was the name of the game in, in so many ways. And the only times I could blast, put them on blast was were in those situations when I knew I had built it up. I had praised, I had given them a bunch of fist bumps, a lot of praise, a lot of fist bumps, a lot of compliments, genuine, not a little cookie cutter compliments, but genuine compliments that really hit home. And then I could put them on blast. But I also was careful not to go too far and not to blast them as a person, but more the behavior. But I'll tell you what, more often than not, I couldn't do it. I couldn't put them on blast. A lot of your players, you, you shouldn't be putting on blast. Not if you want that resentment to stay away. So Coach Wooden said, a coach is someone who can give correction without resentment. One, make a bunch of deposits, positive interactions, build rapport, make sure that they really know that you care about them and that you're not all about the negative and pointing out and constructive and this criticism or critiquing them all the time. Make sure they know you're a lot more than just that one dimensional coach because resentment will seep in. It will sometimes right away and it, it can backfire pretty bad with players. I made this mistake my first full year of teaching. I had a student, uh, let's just call her Patrice. So Patrice, Patrice was the ASB president of the freshman class. And she, Patrice was the ASB. So she was the associated student body president, ASB president. Most of you know what I'm talking about. And she was across the room. It was a rainy day. So I had a class of about 50 kids. PE, we came inside. It was a rainy day. It didn't happen very often in SoCal, but it was a rainy day. So we went inside. So I got 50 kids stuffed into a classroom and she's got her phone out. And I, across the room, literally 49 other students between her and I, I said, Hey, Patrice, put your phone away. Without skipping a beat, she said, F you, Mr. Asher Branner. Now, on a side note to that story, <laughs> the dean of the school literally came to my class twice that year. He came to my class literally twice. At the beginning of the year, he came by to give a little speech, a little, you know, a little spiel to the kids. Next time he came by was literally 30 seconds after this happened. Maybe less. It might have just been 10 seconds after this happened. So Patrice says that, and uh, the dean came in, which made it nice because it was an A, you know, hey, it was Mr. Miles. I said, hey, Alan, can you, you know, Mr. Miles, his name was Alan Miles. I said, hey, can you have a little talk with her? You know, I'll figure it out later. Maybe we can just take her up to the, to the office and talk with her. I made sure not to say, hey, can you suspend her? Can you do this? I caught myself. But I realized later, I said, oh man, I had not built up any rapport with, with Patrice. She had no sense of connection with me. I did not build up any rapport. I didn't, I did not have enough deposits to make that withdrawal. I overdrew my account big time. So coaches, just because you you were coached a certain way or you could handle it or you could take the criticism across the class or across the field from your coach in front of all your peers doesn't mean your players are going to do that. And more often than not, they're not. And even if they don't do what she did to me and say, you know, if you and she... She went kind of to one extreme, but you can have a lot of quiet resentment that bubbles, that boils, that really can hurt your chances of influencing positively your players. So first, to get to what John Wooden is saying, a good coach, a great coach is someone who can give correction without resentment. You have to work some things. You have to make massive deposits, consistent deposits before you make, and depending on how big a withdrawal you need to make. Now, I, I went to make one of the biggest kind of withdrawals you can make when it comes to teaching or coaching or parenting. 
this was given the circumstances, this was a massive withdrawal, especially in this situation, in that environment, in that area that I taught. And uh, let's just say my bank account was not up to the task to cover that check and it bounced big time. And I learned a lesson. Unless you're certain that you've made enough deposits with that person, it's not a class-wide thing or a team-wide thing. It was a, it's a player thing. It's an individual player amount. So how many deposits have you made with that player? Now they can be team-wide comments, team-wide praise, but that doesn't have, that's not as big a deposit. All right. That's a $5 deposit, not a hundred dollar deposit. So make sure you make these big deposits, these deposits consistently, even small deposits over time, be transparent, build rapport, ask them how they're doing, ask them about them as a person, ask them about their life, ask them about something besides baseball, genuinely ask them about who they are besides a baseball player. And then you can give them a lot more correction, a lot easier. And if you don't, there's still another way around it. You just have to do it very subtly. This doesn't mean you have to wait all practice to say something, this, that, and the other. There are strategies. So I did have a kid who kicked a basketball. Now this was, I had moved on to another school and I was working with 17, 18 year olds. And I had a kid in there. He was a gang member and nice kid. I really liked the kid. Again, I loved it. I loved every second of, I wouldn't have wanted to work anywhere else. For me, it was great, but I'm a big guy and I liked it. And I was kind of raised that kind of mindset, football mindset, just tougher kind of, you know, so it was good. I did not know what all these kids were going through specifically, but I had the mindset, at least I, I got where they're coming from. I got it and uh, enough to learn and become a really good, effective teacher with all of them, uh, influence kind of a leader for them, a positive influence. Why had this kid, he kicked a basketball square in the face of another student. Now he said he, it was an accident, this, that, and the other. And he was trying, I know it wasn't on accident. This was nothing to this kid. Kicking a basketball in a kid's face was nothing compared to the things that were going on on the weekend and things like that. He was about 150 yards from me, about a hundred yards. It was quite a ways. It was a spread out area and I had him kind of spread out doing different things at basketball over here, soccer over there, some football. We had it mixed up, some baseball, some kids were always playing baseball out there, always playing catch, doing that, hitting off the tee, things like that. And so instead of putting this kid on blast across the area, just say the P area, I slowly walked over there, but I stopped a little bit, wrote down on my thing. I turned around, I looked back. The whole strategy was to make it look like I wasn't coming right to him, right? Initially, when he did it, I said, hey, I just said, hey, everybody, we got to be you know, extra careful, you know, where we're kicking and let's be careful with the equipment. We don't want anybody having to go over to the hospital for no reason at all. I just said it like that. So it was kind of a generic, broad statement. It showed that I addressed the situation. This was a safety issue. So I kind of, it was a little more of that important that I addressed it right away. And then I worked my way over and it took me about 45 seconds to get over there, maybe even more. Maybe it was about a minute, minute and 15 seconds. And I worked my way over and then I got real close. I kind of waited for him to slide off the side. I got right up next to him and then I let him have it, right? I let him have it. Now, I didn't give him my nice voice. I didn't give him my coddle voice. I told him what I was thinking and I was not happy with what he did. And I knew what he did. And I told him I knew what he did and I didn't like it. But I told him I liked him. I said, I like you. I don't like what you just did. I let him have it. I really laid into him, but nobody else around heard me because I was whispering it. I laid into him as sternly as I could, but I kept a very stern voice and I didn't look him straight in the eye only a little bit to know that I was trying to make eye contact, but you know, to show him some respect, but I also would look down a little bit. So I wasn't putting on a show for everybody else who was watching all his buddies and all his this, that, and the other. So there was no perception that I was putting him on blast, that I was correcting him. So there was no need for him to resent me. In fact, he came up later and said, Hey, Mr. A, 
hey man, I'll tell you what, I, I've done some stupid things before in school, but I always get put on blast all the time. And, you know, it gets me mad. He said, but you know what? You came over and you corrected it. You fit, you know, you told me what I did wrong, but you didn't put me on blast. And he goes, you know, I messed up. I messed up. We know that. But you came over and you told me what's up and you definitely let me have it, but you didn't do it where I was. Now I'm going to resent you. So when I saw this quote recently, I thought, oh, a coach is someone who can give correction without resentment. If you don't think this is important, if you think you as a coach can just go out there, if we think we can just go out there and yell across the field, tell this player this, fix this without putting some thought into it, without understanding the dynamic of where they're coming from, the perception, them saving face. I'm telling you, you're really, 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 you're, you're on thin ice. You're. It's really a fine line you're walking, I guess I should say. There are two ways to work around that and give yourself a much sturdier footing and a much better chance of getting correction. Why would you say something to a player? Why do we say anything to a player if there's no chance of it actually correcting anything? We might as well not say anything. The whole goal is to not talk. The whole goal is to not yell. The whole goal is to not tell them something. That's not the goal. The goal is to get them to fix it. The goal is to get them to do whatever it is better with fewer errors along the way. The goal is not to yell. The goal is not to tell them anything. You see what I mean? You see the difference between this is where we have to stay focused on the result. We want to get a result. Some of us get tied in. I know I was this way. <laughs> I learned the hard way. You get tied into a process. Well, this is my pro. I yell. Okay, I'm going to, oh, this is my thing. I just kind of go through my process without actually a, kind of evaluating or assessing the results. And it was pretty clear. Some of those results I was getting early were not good. Were not good. In fact, they were the opposite of good. They were backfiring big time. So coach Wooden said, a coach is someone who can give correction without resentment. You have to make a lot of deposits. And if you don't have a big bank account built up with each player, be careful when you go to make that big withdrawal. Be careful writing a big old check because you know what? Like our old friend in Top Gun Maverick was told, your ego's writing checks, your body can't cash. Well, a lot of coaches, including myself early on, were writing checks that our coaching strategies couldn't cash. Our deposits weren't going to fund. We were overdrafting. So be careful with this. John Wooden's spot on. I'm just trying to add two specific strategies to get there. And if anything, don't feel the need to correct everything out there on the field. We've talked about that at length, so I'm not going to get into it right now. But don't feel the need to correct everything. If you correct less often, correct only the big things. If it's a safety issue, you need to address it right away and you need to be clear on that. Just make sure that if a player does something that's embarrassed or stupid, you know, make sure you save some face and then get to them later on it. But make sure you address it right away. If it's a safety issue, it needs to be addressed right away. If it's a skill, a swing, a throw, a ground ball thing or whatever, a technique thing, you don't need to address it right away. Even in a game situation, you typically don't need to address it right away. You don't. Typically, it's not going to happen. That play, that action is not going to happen right away where it's going to happen before they actually come back in the dugout and you could talk to them. Just try to do it as low-key as you can. That doesn't mean you're not going to be firm with it. That doesn't mean you don't have to be stern and firm. Just make sure you're respecting that the kid, hey, you can do it your way and you can yell and, and you can call them out in front of everybody. I'm just saying right now, <laughs> I'm all for calling them out, but I'd rather do it face to face a little more subtly uh, where they get the message, but they know, hey, I got enough respect. I'm not putting them on. And that was the thing. That kid who kicked the basketball in the other kid's face, he respected the heck out of me after he told me because I didn't put him on blast and that I didn't feel the urge to yell at him right away. He's like, hey, you showed some patience, Mr. A. That was cool, man. That's cool. You didn't put me on blast. He's like, I appreciate that. So I was all, basically he was all ears. So he got my message. He got my message. I didn't do it the conventional way, but the conventional way doesn't seem to be working all that great with kids these days. Then I don't know if it's ever worked, but you get my point. We can be tough on kids. We just don't want to be straining their ego and straining the perception of the situation. You strain their ego, they're only going to hold back so long. They're only going to resent or keep that resentment away so long. 
All right, getting ready for a wet field. Here's a strategy. Pitchers, they're going to pitch. Okay, so you know it's going to rain coming up or you think, or you play in an area there's a lot of rain. I recommend having a bucket of water. First off, I recommend having a dozen baseballs. Maybe you can get some old baseballs. Maybe you can save some from the season before or see if you collect baseballs around. I recommend you get some old baseballs, not baseballs that are already wet and from and heavy. This is where you got to be careful. You don't want to get a heavy, wet baseball, but you want to get some old baseballs that you can get wet wet on the outer part and then you would have to then dry them before you use them again so they don't cause i mean a kid could throw a baseball with a couple extra ounces on it and probably be all right you just want to be careful because baseballs are five ounces if you add two just two ounces to that that's a huge uptick in percentage right and it doesn't seem oh two ounces more that can most of you know that that can add a decent amount of overall strain on on an arm especially if they're not used to that extra couple ounces i know it sounds like a small number but the way a baseball is thrown it, it can take a little bit of a toll on the shoulder and the elbow with that said your pitcher's are throwing bullpens. Have a little bucket, a little container of water. All you got to do is bring a gallon or two gallons out, two containers, and you put them behind or three containers. You put them behind each pitcher if you have two pitching at the same time or three bullpens going at the same time. And they just dip the ball in the water for a split second and then throw it. They're not soaking it in the water. All right. The goal is not to get it super heavy. And if it starts to feel heavy after that kid throws, or if they say, hey, it starts to feel heavy, coach, you discard it. But you just dip it in the water, then go to throw it. I know some of you have seen this football. This is popular with quarterbacks throwing a wet football, you dip the football in, in some water and then you throw it right after. I think this is a good strategy. It sounds like a little thing, but it also is the perception of like, all right, wet ball. Even if physically it doesn't help anything with the improvement, the mindset gets improved by the pitcher because they're out there and they're not worried about the ball being a little wet and they're worried, oh, it's going to slip. They're used to throwing a little bit of a wet ball or they're used to actually getting the ball wet on purpose and then throwing it. So I would have pitchers just dunk it real quick and throw their pitch. Dunk, catch it, dunk it, throw the next pitch. It just helps a little bit with that feel around the water. You have your pitchers do it and then you hand out baseballs to, or the players get the baseballs right from the bucket. They should get their own baseballs for the throwing routine. So they go to do their throwing routine and they are dipping the ball in a bucket or better yet, a coach is just dipping it periodically and throwing them one. All right, throw this one. So they're throwing them a wet ball and having them play catch with it, especially at a long distance. You can see the benefit of throwing something long distance that's a little wet, having them throw it full speed, long distance. I would have them do it in a throwing program. So getting a wet ball. This is good for your infielders, your outfielders, throwing that wet ball a little extra. And now if your field's already wet and things, you play on wet field and go from there. So I think getting the ball wet, having a little bit wet from time to time and making the throw with a wet ball. All the other parts of baseball, I don't think need as much adjustment with a wet field, but throwing a wet ball can be very challenging. Now the caveat is always how heavy does that ball get, right? You don't want it to really get any heavier if you can help it. So you want to make sure it's not getting waterlogged. Throwing a wet ball, slick ball, that's always a good idea. Heck, you could even take it another level. I mean, this would be cool. I mean, I've heard coaches talk about doing this. I've never personally done it. But what if you put a little, <laughs> you had them dip it in something that was already kind of a slipping, like a put them in something, you, you sprayed a little whatever on it, like a little WD or a little liquid ranch, or you dipped it in a little olive oil. I don't know. You could try it. I don't know. I've heard coaches that say that works. You really are going past what a wet ball is and you're making it like a slick ball. So you're training them. You wouldn't do this the whole practice. You wouldn't even maybe do it the whole throwing routine or bullpen. But even if they just each player got 10 throws like that. You don't think that would better prepare them for the wet weather that comes with the springtime baseball season? I think so. It's a little thing. It would be fun. It would really help them focus. Shouldn't take any more time for the most part. It would add an extra maybe one minute to a bullpen session or maybe a couple, two extra minutes to a throwing routine. This isn't something that should take a long time and think about and talk about. You just do it. So if any of you coaches try something like that or you have something, you could just maybe you go out there and you have a, a 12. These are your dozen baseballs that are for this. You can dry them out 
later, clean them later, and maybe use them as, you know, hitting off the tee or those are your ground ball, baseballs, things like that. But make the practice harder than the game. So if any of you have those ideas or strategies, that not ideas, if you're using it, if you're actually using it successfully, let me know. I'd love to see how to better prepare kids. Now, some of you, you're in South Texas right now, or you're in San Diego, California, and you're like, coach, this is going to impact one game or two games a year. Okay, maybe not so much for you, but a lot of places it rains more often. Northern states, it rains a little more often. This would be a good idea just to get that mindset like, ah, ball's wet, ah, field's wet, let's go. Next week, I'm going to share with you a practice tip for this. It's a little thing, but it's a practice tip that if the field gets wet or the infield's wet, a little practice tip. I'm going to share that with you next week, something you can do along with a couple other strategies. We're going to break down a couple other things next week. Always really good being here with you all. Man, it's awesome. Baseball season is rocking and rolling here. Go to the 8020 Baseball website. A lot of good stuff over there. A lot of good stuff to go through. A lot of information. Be a better coach. A better coach is a confident coach. Going out there with strategies that are proven, strategies that work across the board. And until next week's episode comes out, take care of your health, take care of your families, your friends, and take this information out there. Put it into action. Use it. It's not going to all of a sudden just come to you right away. It's not all of a sudden just going to be something that's a habit from Jump Street and just you never lose it or forget. Put it in. Keep working. Keep working it in. Mold it and fit it into you, your personality, your coaching routine. You're going to have a better team culture. You're going to win more games. It's a win-win across the board. Until next week, adios. This has been the 8020 Baseball Masterclass. Take it to the field. 